Hey, welcome to Victory Church. It's so good to see you. You can be seated or you can do a little bit of an air high five if you want. If you see somebody from a distance, go, hey, it's you, and just kind of give them a little bit of an air high five. We're packed in here this morning. Come on, give it up for God in this place. Yeah. Victory is coming back. I'm telling you, I'm just excited to be in here. Come on, give it up for our band real quick. Will you give it up for our worship team? Thank you, guys. Hey, Ben, will you do me a favor? you bring that uh, marker board over here before you walk off the stage? Thank you so much. Um, man, we are so blessed. I just continue to thank God every day for the people um, that are a part of this church. I hope you understand whether you're in here experiencing this worship set whether you are uh, going through our lobby and, be, and being able to talk to people, starting to actually have people for you to talk to again, uh, if you're dropping your kids off at the nursery, um, it's all happening again because of our dream team. And so it's been an interesting season as obviously we have done all we can to respect our dream team and say, hey, you are not demanded to come back. We care about your family. We care about your health. And so we will make it work with those who are willing to come and serve. And we've been able to do that. And we certainly invite any of you that say, hey, I'm, I'm back. I'm back in person. I want to start serving. Hey, let us know because obviously we need it. We're, we're moving towards opening up our elementary ministry and different things. And we just want to be able to allow people to come in. And here's the cool part is, is we're getting visiting families and visiting families are starting to come and uh, they feel a little bit safer about getting out. And obviously we have plenty of space to do this and we're doing the best we can to uh, stay healthy and stay safe. And I'm just excited about what God's doing. And I'm excited about this year. Um, in case you are joining with us, two quick things. First, let me tell you that we are in a series called The Journey, where we're studying through the book of John, uh, chapter by chapter. And then after Easter, we will start studying the book of Acts in a series we're calling Believe, where we are going to live out what we've been believing. And every week, God is just wrecking us in this place. Uh, if you've been with us, two weeks ago, we talked about Jesus is the only way. And we really went after that and explained that so that you could walk out of here with confidence, telling your friends about about that in your family. Last week, we talked about prayer and what that actually looks like and how to actually do it. And I don't know about you, but, but I left out of here. I felt the Holy Spirit was here with us. Uh, it was a really strong moment. Next week, I'm actually going to talk about the Holy Spirit and explain that more because I think he's got a little bit of a bad reputation over the years. We're going to break that down, but today I got something special for you as well. Also, if you're visiting online or in person, do me a favor. We're going to put a number on the screen. If you will text VICTORY18 to 31996, what that's going to do. It's going to send you a digital connection card. So therefore, contact list. You don't have to worry about that. You can fill that out. That'll give us your information. We can reach out to you and just answer any of your questions, do our best to get you connected, find out where your needs are, and again, just put you in a database where you can kind of get the update emails as to what's happening week to week and different things. So again, that's coming up on the screen here and online. Text that either now or maybe after service. It won't matter. Uh, fill that out when you get a chance, and we would just love to be able to connect with you. Also, if you are in person, my wife and I will be in the lobby with our mask on after service. We'd love to shake your hand or pound fist you or whatever it is uh, just to be able to say, hey, thank you for coming. Uh, real quick before we get into the message, one more announcement. We are launching a six-week discipleship class, okay? Uh, in the middle of, of the pandemic, I felt like the Lord said, you need to disciple the church and start doing it on Sunday mornings, which is how we started this series, The Journey to Begin With. Now, I feel like he's told me you need to take it another step and you need to go deeper, teach people how to make disciples and what that means. And so we're putting together a six-week curriculum. We'll meet for an hour on Thursday nights at the local YMCA where I'm, I'm on the board at the YMCA in Smyrna, and we'll meet in a little room there. 
Um, we will record the teaching so that anybody can watch it online if you're a little bit worried. But I'm telling you, there's nothing like being in person to where you can uh, interact, ask questions. We'll have Q&A. We will do this twice a year. The first one is going to start the, uh, I think it's the beginning of March. All this will be on our Facebook and our midweek email. It'll go till the, begin, uh, the middle of April. It'll be an hour long. Here's the catch. Because of the pandemic, there are 10 spots available. And so you need to get on there as quick as you can and register if that's something you want to do. The, regist the registration link will be on our social media. It's coming to you in a midweek email. So get on there quickly, register. If you register and it's too late, we'll ask you to attend the fall session. I think it's going to be powerful and just an awesome time to be together. Darla and I both will be there, so you'll be able to have some time with us as well. And I'm excited about it. Amen? Amen. All right, turn your Bibles, John chapter 15. John chapter 15. If you got your Bibles, uh, we have been encouraging to have a paper one simply so you can highlight things and mark things and really put information as well as a journal. I've never pushed so hard for you than right now to have a journal so that you can write some of these things down. I was on the phone with a couple who watches from a different city. They watch faithfully, and the, the wife said to me, uh, I thought this was funny, she said, can you tell your production team to leave some of the things you say up on the screen longer? She said, because we're all trying to take notes. <laughs> Production's giving me a thumbs up. She said, we're all trying to take notes and that'll go down so quick. And she says, you said oh, so many good things. We want to write them down. So get you a journal and write these things down. Listen, not so that it can sit on your uh, bed stand forever, but so that you can take it and watch this. Use it to tell somebody about it, right? We are building disciples. And so I'm giving you all the information you need to be able to sit down and go, hey, let's talk about this. It empowers you. God uses you. And when you start words out your mouth. People get saved and disciples are made. And all right. All right. This is why I don't leave worship. Thank you, church. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. I'm buying you a steak dinner. Thank you for that. Uh, it was for, he was clapped the loudest. That's why he gets a steak dinner. All right, here we go. Sorry. John chapter 15. I digress. John chapter 15. We're going to start with verse one and we'll read through a little bit and then we will start breaking it down. Jesus says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. So he starts to set up different responsibilities. Jesus says, I'm the vine. My father, God, is the pruner. He's the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. So every branch in me that bears no fruit, he cuts, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. There's evidence for you right there that when you become a Christian, life is not an easy cakewalk. There are processes you go through that prune you and make you a better Christian. I will ask real quickly, if you're in this room and you have been saved for a certain amount of time, and you can say, I went through a hardship, but that hardship made me a better Christian, raise your hand. See, there we go. All right, evidence right there for you that not only does he cut off the one that doesn't bear fruit, but the one who does, he still prunes so that you'll be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. So we are clean through Christ. And then he goes on to say, remain in me as I also remain in you. Uh, if, depending on the version you're reading, it may say abide. Abide means to tarry, to set, to remain. Remain in me as I also remain in you. For no branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. For I am the vine, you are the branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. We talked about that last week and what exactly he's implying there. And this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I want to talk to you this morning from the subject, reclaiming your rhythm. 
reclaiming your rhythm. I, I thought about calling it how to get your groove back, but, but I didn't know if that was a little bit too gimmicky. I don't know how many of you are old enough to even know what I'm saying when I say that, but I thought that might be a little bit creative, but I wanted to stick it to the point because I really want you to get what I'm saying today, and that is how to reclaim our rhythm. We're all about rhythm. Every one of us is about rhythm, okay? Uh, you might call it routine, but I don't like to use the word routine because routine means you do the same things every time. And when I say rhythm, I mean the, 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 the experience of it, the, the feeling of it, the emotion of it is the same every time, but what you actually do may not be the same every time or when you do it. So, so there's a rhythm. For example, uh, some of you have a morning rhythm. And there's just certain things that you have to do in the morning, right? I was talking to Jamal right before church, and his morning rhythm got thrown off. And if you've ever had your rhythm thrown off, you know it throws everything off. Uh, my dad used to say that if, if he ever got out of his morning rhythm, he would, he would all of a sudden forget his keys or forget his phone because it was a rhythm. You got to do A and then B and then C. You know, it's almost like a musical thing. You just got to stay in that rhythm. Some of us have a rhythm at night. You know, it's just kind of a, uh, they might be called a bedroom routine but, or, or a bedtime routine. But what it really is, is it's your nightly rhythm. And we all like rhythm because rhythm kind of brings peace. And rhythm brings this moment of, of, of confidence and security. And we all love rhythm. And we all have a different kind of rhythm. There might be some similarities, but there are definitely some things that are different. And here's what I'm learning. I'm 36 years old, and more than ever, I am learning that every day our culture seems to raise the demand, it seems to, to increase the pace of life and the pressure to be successful. So you've got this demand of what you have to do. Not only do you have to work nine to five, but you have to be available in the evenings for phone calls. Now you have to have overtime. Now you got to go out of town. There's all of this demand on you. There's this pace of life. Now, not only do you have to do, I was reading a book that said we work five days and then the sixth day is our day to work. We have to do all the stuff around the house. We have to mow the grass. We have to do all that. And so it's just this constant pace. And now with the demand and with the pace, there is this pressure on us whether unspoken or spoken, there is this pressure on us that is causing us to want to be successful in every area, watch this, and it results in most people living in an unhealthy rhythm. It's the pressure, it's the demand, it's the pace, and you look up and go, have you ever, have you ever done this? Have you ever stopped and went, what day is it? You ever done that? Because we're in an unhealthy rhythm. And it's a pace and it's a pressure and we don't even know what day it is anymore. Jesus was so on top of the concept of rhythm. He, he, he knew rhythm was important. He, he was constantly setting up uh, examples uh, of what a good rhythm looked like. And, and honestly, it was kind of in the, the lifestyle of the first century Jew. So let's just talk about it. First of all, there was always your daily rhythm. There were certain times you would stop and pray and do different things. There was a daily rhythm to go to the synagogue. There, there was like a daily time where you stopped what you were doing and you took your focus and put it on God. It was a daily rhythm. And then, as you know, Jesus had a weekly rhythm, and he called it the Sabbath, the weekly Sabbath. He would tell you, you need to have a Sabbath, a day where you rest. And it's not that you just don't work. It's a day where you focus on the goodness and the grace of God. 
And then yearly, there were seven Jewish festivals. We've talked about two of them, I believe, since we've been doing this series, the uh, Passover festival and the festival of the tabernacles. And there were seven Jewish festivals throughout the year. They would be kind of differently, you know, sporadic throughout the year. And the point of them, again, the daily rhythm and the weekly rhythm and the yearly rhythm, the point of it was this, that when you were in the zone and when you were going and doing and going and doing, you would have something that would stop and reset your rhythm and put your focus back on God and remind you that God is good and that God is gracious and that God's your provider and that it's his kingdom, not your kingdom, his will, not your will. So it would happen daily, weekly, and yearly. Daily quiet time, weekly Sabbath, yearly festival, and you were constantly being reminded, oh, oh, my rhythm's out of place. I got to make sure that I'm back focused on God, number one, because if not, it affects my rhythm, and my rhythm affects my emotions, and my emotions affect my life, and so on, so on. Jesus so understood the importance of rhythm. Check this out. He's hours away from being murdered, and yet he makes it a priority to tell the disciples that God's intent for his children is to remain in a basic, sustainable rhythm that will produce life and fruit. Did you catch that? Jesus says, hey, I know I'm about to die. I could tell you a lot of things, but sit down, sit down, sit down. I got to tell you that the Father's intent for your life is to not be successful. It's not to be the best at this or the best at that or to sell as many as you can or make as much as you can. The rhythm that God has for you are the two things we avoid the most. You ready? Basic, sustainable. And if you can keep a rhythm that's basic and sustainable, your life will be fulfilled and fruitful. Is that not the opposite of what we're being told today? The truth is we all are trying to be fruitful. I want to be fruitful in my marriage. I want to be fruitful with my kids. I want to be fruitful in my career. I want to be fruitful in my hobbies. I want to be fruitful. And so we end up creating this unhealthy rhythm. And therefore, not only are we exhausted, but we sit back and go, I don't even see much fruit. And Jesus says, because we need to reclaim the right rhythm. So here's the question. I know you're asking. I asked it as well. What is the right rhythm? If you'll go to Barnes and Noble or whatever bookstore it is you shop at, there will be an entire category of books where authors, some who are rich, some who are you know, uh, CEOs, some who are pastors, some who are athletes, and they're all telling you, here is the right rhythm. If you'll just keep this rhythm, you will be successful. If you do what I do, this is how I do it. Every time I listen to sports podcasts a lot, they're constantly talking to athletes and they're asking, what's your rhythm? What's your rhythm? They're trying to figure out what is the right rhythm. Now, I'm going to give you the answer right up front because it's going to cause us to do a lot of questioning personally after we get the answer. The answer is right off the bat in John 15. So here we go. Here's the answer. What's the right rhythm? Jesus says the right rhythm is to remain in me. Remain in me as I also remain in you. So Jesus says, not only are you going to remain in me, watch this, but when you remain in me, I'll remain in you. Draw close to me, I'll draw close to you. 
Jesus says, my rhythm is to be in you, and your rhythm is to be in me. No branch can bear fruit by itself. When you get out of this rhythm, you will not bear fruit. Oh, I'm bearing fruit. Is it fruit, though? Is it? Because real fruit continues to produce fruit. So if what you're producing is causing your marriage to fall apart, if what you're producing is causing your kids to not want to be around you, is it fruit? Is it? So without me, you won't bear fruit. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. For I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. In two sentences, Jesus said the word remain five times. And in the end, he said, apart from me, you can do nothing, which is another way of saying remain in me. So you can say that in two sentences, Jesus Christ said the words remain five to six times. Lesson, if your wife says to you two sentences, and in those two sentences is the same word six times, she probably wants you to understand what she's saying. Am I right? Amen. My wife is like, yep. She just, she, she talks to me in code, you know? She'll be like, baby, what did you back rub? What did you do today? Did you have fun back rub? And I'm like, it's like subliminal, right? Getting in your mind. But that's what Jesus is saying. Listen to me. I'm making this as, as literally, uh, I wish I could remember what Michael Scott says, where he's like, talk, tell, me, tell me it like I'm a fifth grader or something like that, right? Jesus is like, I'm telling you it like you're a fifth grader. Remain in me. What? Remain in me. What? I remain in you. You remain in me. What? Apart from me, you can't do anything. What? I mean, ah! Sorry, that was a little bit too loud in the microphone. Five times Jesus says, remain in me. Here's what Jesus wanted us to understand, that the right rhythm for our life is not work and produce, but it is abide and bear. It's not work and produce. It's abide or remain and bear. It's important for you to see the difference here because bear is a result. So as I abide in Christ, I automatically bear. Just because I work doesn't mean I produce, right? I think we've all had work days where we went home and said, I don't even know what I did today. Right? Because we can work without producing. But Jesus says, you cannot abide in me without bearing. It's impossible. You can abide in other things without bearing, but you can't abide in Jesus. Now, here's how slick Jesus is. I've always said he's an OG. You know, just, I've always said these things about him. When he talks about being a vine and branches, he says it strategically. The theologians will say he was probably outside speaking and was pro probably saw them and talked about it. I don't think so. And here's why I don't think so. Because Jesus didn't say, I am the tree and you are the branches. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. The reason he said this is, is this reason right here. Branches, when attached to a tree, will actually do all of the work. The branches suck out the nutrients of the tree. So the tree and the roots have to grow to be able to sustain the branches, okay? That's how that operates. So the, the branches are doing all of the work. They're sucking all the nutrients out. The tree is growing to be able to continue to sustain the branches. So you got it. Branch do all the work. Tree is the result. Vines when they're attached to branches, actually push out the nutrients to the branches. So instead of the branches doing all the work, they're just there. 
and the vine is doing all of the work, and the vine is pushing out the resources to the branch. So here's what Jesus is saying. If you go out and work, you will do all of the work, and it may have some produce to it, but it's not a sustainable, basic rhythm because you can always work harder. You can always work longer. Let me set you free. You can always take one more phone call. You can always, you know what my biggest problem is I could always talk to one more person, right? So the more we work, but Jesus says, if you will just abide in me, I am divine, and I will actually push all of the resources to you so you can abide and bear. Now listen, do not take this sermon, go to your job Monday, and quit and be like, Troy said, I can just sit at home and God will send me all my resources. It's not what I'm saying. We all have to work and that's fine. But God talks about establishing a rhythm before we start working or we will start looking for work to being our identity and our success and all of that versus abiding in God for those things, right? When we are in the right rhythm, there is less work and man, if I haven't set you free yet, I'm about to set you free right now. It becomes, when you get in the right rhythm, it becomes God's responsibility to make something grow. And your responsibility is to remain. I will take that. Right? In case you don't know this, as a church planter, I am technically an entrepreneur. I have technically started my own business, right? So it's really easy for me to fall into that same vine that says, if I just work harder, I can make it grow faster. If I could just take one more meeting, babe, I, can, I could just get one more, one more phone call tonight, babe. You know, I, I can make it grow. But when I get in the right rhythm, God helps me to understand that it's not my responsibility to grow things. It's not my responsibility. I am a branch. God feeds me the resource and I grow. My only job is to remain. But that's so difficult for us to do. So what we've done, and I got these as examples, is we've got into this concept of setting goals. Right? Anybody do this? It's kind of a goal-setting type thing. And, and maybe you're somebody who, who, you know, you sit down, you've got a book, a journal, and you're like a goal-setting type person. Maybe you're somebody who kind of sets goals once it's too late. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like, we're broke. I need to set some financial goals. You know what I'm saying? Or like, we're on the brink of a divorce. We probably should set some marital goals. Like, like that's, you know, you're kind of one or two people. You're either doing it because if you don't, it's all going to fall apart, or you're one of those planner, organized people. You've got journals and, you know, whiteboards on the wall in your office and you got all these goals from 2020 and 2021, and you got a goal for tomorrow, you got a goal for today, all these kind of, you're a goal person. But we are all, in some form or fashion, goal setters. So I did some research, I did this months ago, and I wanted to find out what are the most common goals that people are out there setting. And I came up with nine, okay? I'm not saying that we all do these, and I'm not saying that there aren't more out there, but these were the nine most common goals. So, and, and no particular order, okay? This is not like most popular, trust me. Um, but, but this would be a spiritual goal. So depending on your religion uh, or, or, or who your God is, right? It's different. But for us as Christians, uh, you know, it's often I want to pray more, Right? I want to pray more. I want, I want to read the Bible more. Uh, I want to get to know God more. I want to go to church more. Like, like these are kind of some of the goals we set for spiritual goals. 
Next would be personal or adventure. What I mean by that is it's the goal you set as like a hobby, something you want to do to have fun. So you're like, you know what? I want to go, I want to go hiking you know, this year. I want to go whitewater rafting this year. Or I want, I want to learn how to do this or learn how to do that. Uh, third is financial. We, we understand what that means. I need to save money. I need to pay off bills. I need to not be broke, right? Like, you know, it's financial goals. Uh, stretch goals. These are the goals you set up to kind of, and, and these are probably less common for some people, but that you do to get you out of your comfort zone. And so it's kind of this mindset of like, I want to do this because I've never done it before. I want to challenge myself and do it. I want to stretch. Friendship goals. We all want to be better friends. So we have these goals, you know, I want to do this with these friends. I want to be available for these friends and da, da, da. Career goals. This is, and that's pretty self-explanatory, whatever your goals are for your career. Uh, marital goals. This is, what I, this is what we want to do in our marriage. We want, to, we want to spend more time together. We want to go on more dates. You know, all these, all these kind of different things. Uh, men tend to have different goals than women. And so... Uh, Family goals, you know, this could be your kids or it might be your parents. I want to spend more time with my parents. I want to talk to my siblings more. Obviously, it uh, has a lot to do with you and your kids' interactions. And then health goals, you know, I want to I lose weight. I want to eat better. I want to go to the gym. These, these are the nine kind of categories, the most common categories that people use to set goals. Now, again, we don't necessarily use all nine of them. I don't know if you do all nine, but you're probably in your seat going, yeah, I kind of, I, you know, I may not do it on paper, but I definitely think about, you know, two, seven, eight, and nine or whatever the numbers are. Um, but, but here's what I'm learning is that goal setting is exhausting. Am I right? It's absolutely exhausting because number one, you have so many different areas of goal setting. And every, here's, I don't know if you realize this, but almost every area call for the same thing. Right off the bat, let's talk about time. I need time to achieve my spiritual goals. I need time to be able to have fun, you know, personally. I need time to be able to work more so I can make more money. I need time so that I can be there for my friends. I need time so that I can be there for my wife. I need time so I can be there for my kids. I need time so I can go to the gym. I need time for every goal. Right? Or resource, money. I need money so that I can have fun, but at the same time, I need money so I can save. At the same time, I need money so I can take my wife on a date. At the same time, my kids keep acting for stupid toys when they have so many and don't play with them anyway. <laughs> Sometimes I use y'all as a counselor. But it's exhausting. And then here's the worst part about goal setting to me. Because it's like spinning plates, right? It's basically what it is. So you get one spinning... <laughs> Ooh, my marriage is good. You got to run over here to your finances because you just spent $100 on a date night. And you're like, oh, and you're spinning it. And you run over here to your kids because you haven't seen your kids. And you spin. And it's just exhausting because you're running back and forth and you're running back and forth and you're running back and forth. It's exhausting. But here's what makes me the, the, the maddest of all is when you finally achieve one goal and you move on to the next goal, this goal changes. You ever had that happen? You know what I mean? Like, like oh, we've, we, hey, babe, we just got our finances under control. We're good. Boom, that plate's spinning. We are set. Oh, by the way, honey, I'm pregnant. What? <laughs> I just got the finances under control. You know what? I got to get another 37th job. Like, it's just, you know, as soon as you get it, it just, it changes on me. And man, it's exhausting. And your boss is telling you you need to do better. And you're telling yourself you need to do better. And your bank account's telling you you need to do better. And you're exhausted. And here's what happens. Is you eventually transition into this mindset. I'm terrible. I didn't hit my financial goal. I'm terrible with money. You ever said that? 
man, I didn't get to spend time with my kids like I wanted to. Man, I'm a terrible dad. I'm a terrible mom. You know, our marriage is on the rocks, and I, we got it. We we just we had, we're, we're terrible at relationship. Terrible, 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 terrible. Listen to me. You're not terrible. You're just tired. You're just tired. Because you're trying to keep up with a rhythm that you were never expected to keep up with. Anybody here have friends with, with a kid that's a toddler age? Anybody in here, you got, you got friends that have, okay. If you've ever gone out to lunch with them, for example, and you go to lunch, you go to a restaurant, and if you're in that season where you don't have kids or you don't have kids that age, you know what it's like to go to a restaurant and actually enjoy a meal, right? You know what that's like. Um, if you, you know what it's like if you're ever on a date without your kids and somebody has kids, you're like, we're not eating at this restaurant because I don't even want to know I have kids for the next two hours. Um, but if you have friends who do, you go to a restaurant and the kid start acting up, you know, um, they start getting kind of bad and, and they start acting kind of terrible. And, and, and the parent always knows, right? It's, it's, it's horrible for the parent because the parent's like, I just, I know, I know everybody's looking at me. I don't know what to do. And, and here's what always will happen is the parent will kind of look up at, at your, their friends and they'll say, I'm sorry, they just need a nap. I'm biblically giving you the opportunity to just take a nap. Don't do it here. Look, they're not a terrible kid. They're just what? Tired. That kid's not terrible. That kid's awesome. But when they're exhausted, they don't know how to react correctly to exhaustion because they don't know how to keep their own rhythm. That's our problem. We never learned how to keep rhythm. And so here we are calling ourselves terrible, and you're not terrible. You're just tired. You're tired. What if I told you that we were not created for goal setting? What if I told you we were created for abiding? Now, I'm going to say this a couple of different times. I'm not bashing goal setting. I'm a goal setter. So don't be like, oh, he thinks we shouldn't set goals. It's not what I'm saying, but you got to hear the whole thing. But I am telling you that we were not created for goal setting. If you go back to the original days of creation with Adam and Eve, Jesus wasn't like, hey, I need you to set some goals. All right, I need you to, you know, your health, you know, I can see your ribs, right? I'm about to take one, but I can see them. I need you to kind of, I need you to kind of work something out, right? I saw Eve yelling at you the other day. Y'all need to, you know, I mean, if anybody needed marriage counseling, Adam and Eve did, right? They're the reason sin came here. I mean, come on, right? So, so, but he wasn't out there setting goals, right? What was it about? When, when they sinned and God was walking and looking for them in the garden, what did he say? Where are you? He didn't say, hey, where's your goal setting list? I need to see how you're doing. He said, where are you? Because the only thing we were created to do was to abide in him. But we're out here goal setting. So, so we're not created for goal setting. We're created for abiding. Listen, goal setting is about doing something. Abiding is about becoming someone. Right? And when you become someone, it impacts how you do something. Goal setting is about activity. Abiding is about identity. And when you confirm your identity, it impacts your activity. Goal setting is about a result. And abiding is about a process and a routine. Goals are linear and resemble a straight line, while abiding is more like a circle. Watch this. This is so good. 
where you constantly come back to the same place to seek renewal and refreshment. Goal setting is the climb. I got to get here. Now I'm here. I got to get here. Now I'm here. I got to get here. And God says, no, you were created to return to the same place, basic and sustainable, so that you could be recharged and renewed and refreshed. And the problem is we are so stair-focused that we've gotten away from the circle and no longer is abiding inside of our rhythm. And we don't know what to do because the rhythm is unhealthy and we don't know how to control ourselves and we're not fulfilled and we're not producing fruit and everything's falling apart and we're exhausted and we're tired and we're done. We often prioritize results over routine. Think about it. You, you, we, we actually set people up to kind of be our example of where we want to be, right? Like, like if, if you're in the gym, you often got somebody in your mind, you're like, I wanna, I wanna look like them. For me, it's Jimmy, all right? I'm always like, I wanna, I wanna look like Jimmy. I wanna, I, want, I want my leg to be the size of my head. That's, that's my goal, you know what I mean? One leg, not both. I want to, like, you know, kind of a weird thing. Uh, but we all, we all put like this picture up of somebody, or they'll have a fitness picture, or, or, or marriage. We've always got this, this couple in our mind. Oh, I love, their marriage is so sweet, right? And we set this goal up. Or how about this? Vacation. We'll watch other people's vacations and then critique ours. Like, I'm a terrible dad. Did you see what? He took their entire family, entire family across the entire United States, I took mine to Memphis to their grandparents' house. You know what I mean? Like, because like, we always got to find somebody to compare it to because we desire their results and their rewards. And that's fine. But we haven't embraced their routine. And it's okay to desire results and rewards. But you have to get the right rhythm first. And this is what I'm telling you. It's okay to set goals. Go set all the little goals you want to set. That's fine. Go set them. Go set them. As long as they are founded on the right rhythm. And the rhythm is remaining in God, abiding in God. And as long as you have the right rhythm, set all the goals you want to set. But I'm going to promise you one thing. Once you get the right rhythm, number one, your goals will change. Number two, you'll find out that they are suggestions and not certain barrier moments and, and foundations where if you don't get them, now you're miserable. Because you're abiding in him. And again, we talked last week, his kingdom's becoming your kingdom. His will's becoming your will, so on. Let's go back to John 15 for a moment. Y'all enjoying this? Is this y'all good? Okay, I'm starting to wonder. I thought, I thought maybe y'all were taking a nap, trying to get your rest in. Go back to John 15, verses 6 to 7. Watch this. this. Man, I needed to hear this this week. And I'm talking to you, businessman. I'm talking to you, mama, who's, who's constantly trying to, to reach something. And every week you feel like, well, I didn't do the dishes, even though you literally gave life to a small child for an entire week. And you know what? Throw those dishes in the trash can, get paper plates. It's so much better. Um, but I, I'm talking to you, you know, you know, employee who's trying so bad to climb the ladder. I'm, talk, I'm talking to you. Listen to me. This is about to literally give you medicine to your soul. John 15, verse 6 says, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Now, I don't know if you caught it, but Jesus did not say, 
if you do not bear fruit, then you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Did he say that? He did not say that. So what that tells you is that this week when you get done and you feel like you weren't as fruitful as you were supposed to be, Jesus' concern is not results. His concern is routine. He wants to know if you had the right rhythm because he's responsible for results. And he never once says to you, if you don't grow that, then I'm done with you. If you don't do everything you're supposed to do on the checklist, then you're like a branch thrown away. No, no. Here's what he said. If you don't remain in me, if you don't just abide, just abide in me. I was telling Darla about this sermon and she said, well, babe, are you going to explain to them what abide means? And I was like, that's a good point. I should probably do that. Um, I said, here's the problem though, is abide for, is different for everybody. Your schedules are different. Some of you work nights, some of you work days, some of you work mid-afternoon, some of you don't work, some of you got three kids, five kids, too many kids, right? I mean, you got a different lifestyle. And so it's really hard for you to be able to abide in some generic form that I get up here and go, well, here's what you're supposed to do. You would walk out here and go, that's not realistic for me. So I'm not here to tell you how to abide, but here's what I'm ready to tell you. You ready? I'm, I'm prepared to kick you right in the face. You ready? You already know how to abide because you're abiding in something. What is it that you can't do without in your morning rhythm? Is it Jesus? Now, I'd love to be up here like some guy who's going, you're terrible and I'm great. That's not the case. I still have not arrived. I'm like, Paul, I'm still pursuing this prize. But I'll tell you that it was a lot worse a few years ago. And I was able to make some shifts in my life, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit. And it provided me the right rhythm and it has changed my life. Because this is literally the greatest thing we could hear. The greatest thing, mom, listen to me. The greatest thing you could hear is not you have to spend X amount of hours with your kids. You have to do this for your husband. You have to, the greatest thing you could hear is all you have to do is abide in him. My wife, when we had uh, our second kid, I was working. We were in Memphis. Obviously, I was gone at work all the time. We had a, we had a building, <laughs> so I had somewhere to go. And um, she, uh, I'm glad y'all think that's funny. Uh, she, I would come home, and I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know this then. She had to explain this to me later, is that, you know, she would always feel like she hadn't done enough because there's always laundry to do. And there's always dishes to be done, and there's always a dinner that can be cooked, and there's always a floor that could be vacuumed. Meanwhile, she has a child attached to her hip. Meanwhile, she has another child who's either in school or running around breaking stuff. And she has a husband who has needs. And by the way, she's a pastor's wife, so she has women that she's ministering to. Oh, and by the way, she has dreams, right? Goals, desires. And she would have these moments where she would kind of feel like a failure every day. No matter if she did X, Y, Z, she didn't do R, and she was a failure. Now, again, that was what she was telling herself. She never said that to me because I hope I would have come up beside her and said, no, you're not. But she'll tell you to this day, the thing that set her free was when she started abiding in him, and he started affirming her that, hey, you're doing great. And here's what I love about God is he's always challenging us to do better. 
It's not like God just comes alongside of us and goes, oh, you're doing great. You just, just coast like this. for the... But he does it with such a sweet spirit. He comes and he affirms you and gives you confidence and gives you resource, and then he challenges you to step to the next level. And watch this. Can you put that, that next statement up for me? Because there's, there's wording in there that I can't afford to skip. Because I know where I'm going, but you got to hear this. We are literally set free with these words. The rhythm of life you're looking for that is fruitful and fulfilling, watch this, isn't decided by results, but it's discovered by routine. Now, there's a reason why that didn't slain you. It's because that doesn't mean a whole lot to you without the illustration. So I'm gonna give you the illustration and then that's gonna keep that in your mind. If you've got your journal, write it down. That it's not decided by results, okay? It's discovered by routine. So let me explain. If you've been a victor for a while, you've heard versions of the story, but I, I got to tell it. We have a lot of new people with us and online. You got to be able to hear this. All right. So go back. I don't know the time frame. It was more than five years ago. I know that much. Um, and in my season of life at that moment, I was very unhealthy. Physically, I was about 45 pounds heavier than I am right now. Um, I, I was trying to be a better husband. I wasn't a great husband. I was trying to figure out how to be better because I was, I was in charge of a lot of stuff at the church and I was, trying, I, was, you know, I was trying to figure this thing out. We had brand new kids. So I was, you know, we had a new baby and I think she was, it would have been five and, and new baby. So I was trying to figure out how to be the right parent and I was constantly trying to set these goals on how to be better and all this kind of stuff. And so I, it was, I often failed, to be honest with you. It was a conversation almost weekly with my family. I'm like, man, I'm just not, I'm just not hitting these. I set the goals, baby. I had the journal, everything. I had the book with the leather pen attached. I had it all, but I still wasn't hitting the goals. And so here's what happened. One of the goals I set was to get healthier. So I went to the gym and I walked in the gym to work out. didn't know what I was doing. I'd never lifted a weight before in my life. And I looked up and my brother-in-law was there and he's one of those muscle bound, you know, gym guys. And so I walked over to him and I said, Hey, can you train me on how to work out here? I'm trying to lose weight. He said, yeah, I come here. I said, I didn't know you came here. He said, yeah, I come here every day. He said, meet me here at 5. I said, great, 5 p.m. He said, no, 5 a.m. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want it that bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sorry, John. Um, and so I started going. I, I, I woke up every morning at 4 o'clock. I have, a, I, have a, I have a very unique morning rhythm. <laughs> and so I had to wake up at 4 so I could get there at 5. I get there at 5. We work out 45 minutes, an hour. Guess what? It's 6 a.m. Jesus ain't even awake. Right? I don't even know what to do right now. He's leaving to go do something. My whole house is sound asleep. So I'm like, what am I going to do? So I say, well, I know what. I'll go walk the track that is in the gym. I go in there. There are two people in the entire gym area, and they're both 90 years old, right? So I'm not being bothered at all. And I put worship music in my ear, and I started praying. And I was like, ooh, I'm, I'm alone. I don't, nobody's bothering me. I don't have kids screaming at me. I don't have people at the, at the church trying to ask me. I can just, so I just prayed. I walked and prayed for an hour, and it felt like 30 seconds. So I went home, and this became my rhythm every day. I'd meet him at 5 in the morning. We'd work out. I'd go up to the track. Even days that he didn't work out, I went to the gym, and I worked out on my own, and I walked the track. Now, what does that mean? Okay, number one, I still keep that rhythm today at least five years later. Luckily, thank God, I don't have to do it at five in the morning. But if you ever want to know where I'm at, I was telling a friend of mine this week, you can guarantee every day I've done two things. No matter what time of the day it was, I worked out and I abided in him. So here's what's cool. 
So I'm abiding in him one day, and I leave the gym. Now it's summertime, so my kids aren't getting up and going to school. Or Veda's not getting up and going to school. The whole thing's not. And so I know. I'm like, man, if I go home, it's going to be super quiet in the house, and I don't want to wake people up, so I don't want to walk around with nothing to do. So I was like, I'll do what all people do when they have time to burn all you teenagers and you cool millennials. I'll go to Kroger and walk around. So there was a Kroger right by the gym. So I went to Kroger and I walked around. And because I had an hour to waste at least, I just took my time through Kroger. Down every aisle in Kroger. And I'd be like, ooh, I've never seen that brand of Oreos before. Let's get that one. Yeah. And I just kind of walked. And I had nothing but time to waste. I knew I had some stuff I had to get from the grocery. And I went down the aisle where the flowers are. And I was like, oh, I should get Darla flowers. I had never in my life bought her flowers outside of a holiday before. Just, I didn't see it modeled in my home. It was never a rhythm in my home. My parents divorced when I was 11. It wasn't the rhythm. And so I was like, oh, I'll buy her flowers. I was like, oh my gosh, flowers are expensive. You know, I was like, they got some clearance flowers over here. Uh, so I put them in the basket and I kept on walking. I go down the toy aisle. Kroger has toys. And they had some clearance. I'm not lying about this. They had some clearance toys. They were like, you know, Mark down. I was like, oh, the kids would love these. And so I put them in the basket. And I'm walking still, just kind of chilling. And I'm like, you know what? I don't really want to just go home and hand them to them. Like, that's anticlimactic. Like, I, you know, and I had this idea. I was like, what if I bought some index cards and I wrote like a scavenger hunt? And so when they wake up, I'll be on the couch like I didn't do anything, right? Like I'm just a lazy, no good for nothing husband and dad. I'll just be like, oh, y'all been sleeping, you know? And then they'll go into the kitchen and they'll see this, these cards and the card will be like, I, you know, I, I've, I've done some crazy ones, but it'll lead them to the, to, the, to the washer and dryer and they'll open the washer and dryer and there'll be another card. I still do these scavenger hunts to this day. My kids will ask, dad, can we do a scavenger hunt? And it'll lead them around and then Darla will finally get to you know, the closet and she'll open up and there will be the flowers, and the kids will get to the, you know, to their bedroom and under the pillow will be, you know, the toy or whatever it is. And, and you can ask my wife about this. The day that happened, it changed something. Because I had never done anything like that before. And it was everything she was wanting me to do that I would have put up here as a goal. But I didn't leave the house that morning with the goal sheet. I left the house that morning and I abided in him. And because I abided in him, he brought that to my memory. Does it make sense? So, so okay. Ask this question and then we'll get ready to close. What would you do if once you knew you were in the right rhythm, it would automatically produce the achievement of all your other goals. Let me illustrate. Ban, I need you real quick. Come up here for a second. Come on, come on, come on. Okay, so we're gonna illustrate something because here's what happens. Most of us, we do all of these separately. I'm focused on this one. I'm focused on that one. So Jeff, start playing a key, any key that you wanna play. Play a key. All right, so, so Jeff, because you are so handsome, you're the marital goal. That's what you are, all right? So, so he's the marital goal. We're doing our own thing over here. We're trying to figure this out. Might be going to counseling. Might be trying to do date nights. You know, whatever that system is. Uh, who, who, who's ready? Who's ready? Are you, are you ready? Are you ready? I, I know it's hard. I'm sorry. I never played an instrument before in my life. I don't know what it has to do to be able to get used to it. So, so play a different key. Not his key, a different key. Because, because when you're focused on this and this, right? All right? 
You ready? Play a different key. Not, not, not the keys they're doing, a different key. All right, you ready? Play a different key. You come here, you come here, Jamal. Come here, come here, Jamal. Let's scout, get ready. Keep playing, keep playing, keep playing. It's beautiful. You loving it? Great. Play something, just give it something totally, totally off. All right, sing something. Sing something off key. Jesus because we're working on so many different things. I'm trying to do this and trying to work on my finances and I'm trying to figure out, I want to have some fun every once in a while. And inside my head, it's chaos. It's crazy. But Jamal, I've seen you do something. I've seen you do something before where you can, you can all of a sudden give a key to every person and every person gets the same key, all right? And then something shifts. So let's, let's see that right now. Give, give, give me something on this, all right? Here, one, I don't know what that means. I'm excited. Keep telling me I'm excited. I'm like, teach me something. If he said it, we believe it. Oh. Oh, that sounds so much better. If he said it, we believe it. You're a man of your word. If you said it, we believe Ooh. it. I can worship to that. You really know what you're doing on this thing. That sound better? Okay, all right, hold on, hold on, hold on, all right, all right. I'm not done with y'all yet. Sound better? That's really them. They're that talented. When we're out here trying to do all this, it sounds like the first set. It's just exhausting and confusion, and it makes my head hurt. But what if I told you that if we got in the right rhythm, that it would automatically start to come together? If we could all get in one key. I, maybe, maybe. Okay. So in, in the book of Galatians, the apostle Paul is writing to the church of Galatia and he starts to describe the fruits of the spirit. He's referring to the fruits that Jesus was referring to, but Jesus never gave labels to them. He never gave an actual description to them. He would just say bear fruit, right? But Paul later on is talking about these fruits and he gives descriptions to them. And look what he says. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. So when you abide in Jesus, this is the kind of fruit. You ready? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, we've all heard that before, right? But can I show you something? Watch this. When you abide in Jesus, what's the next one? Yeah, scream out to me. Sorry, Craig Mount. Oh my God, Holy Spirit. When we set goals with God, can you see it? When we set goals with God, isn't the ultimate goal love with God? 
Isn't the ultimate goal for your personal adventures joy? And for financial, isn't it peace? Isn't it just what we want? Financial peace? We're stretching, isn't it? We just really, can you just give me patience? Friendship, I just want to be kind. Career, goodness, marital. Don't we just want to be faithful? Don't we just want to faithful? Family, gentleness, health. Don't we just need self-control? So what is this saying? God's saying, if you will abide in me, then not only will you have me, but I will give you everything that you actually in your heart are desiring. Everything you're setting a goal for, I'll give you. I may not give you abs, but I'll give you self-control. I may not give you the bedtime routine you want with your spouse, but I'll give you faithfulness. So good, church. This must have been what they meant in Matthew 6 when he said, when you will seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he will add all these things to you. If we can just get in the right rhythm, if we can just learn to abide and remain, then everything that you desire, you'll either get or God will change. You weren't asked to produce results. You were asked to remain, abide, and bear. Every good change I've ever made in my marriage happened because I was walking on that track praying. And my wife will tell women when she counsels them, don't nag your husband, nag God. And she knows when I'm at the gym and I'm praying, so she'll tell you, when I want something to change in him, I pray during that time. And she says, I'll tell God, can you tell him why, he, why you're talking to him? And every time it works. And because I'm abiding in him, everything else just kind of seems to work out. So I'm challenging you. How's your rhythm? How hard are you working? to do something you were never responsible for to begin with? And is it time for you to get your groove back, for you to reclaim the rhythm of abiding in him and then automatically you'll bear fruit? Father, we thank you for your word. It is so alive and it is so incredible. And I just cannot even begin to thank you enough for the revelation and the release and the freedom of the fact that I don't have to chase some pace of life. I don't have to chase a demand. I don't have to ch chase some type of success rate. All I have to do is remain in you. And like the vine that you are, you will begin to push forth growth in me and resource in me and sustainability in me. And I will begin to be the husband I want to be, the wife I want to be, the parent I want to be, the friend I want to be, the financial person I want to be, the worker, employee I want to be, the boss I want to be. Father, you will do that in me when I abide in you. So Father, let your word right now set free people who have been working so hard to achieve something that you never made them responsible for. And I hope I made it as plain and clear as possible that if they will abide in you, 
then everything their heart desires will come to be. And everything that they're struggling with will find a fixing. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen.